Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Dimming the Gaslight, our healing journey from narcissistic abuse. My name is Mac, and I'm so glad you guys are here for a very special episode. Um, Today is going to be our first guest. Um, Before we get started, I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that I need you all to subscribe, rate, review, share. Um, I'm so proud of how you guys are all helping me to get the word out there, and we're getting this thing off the ground, and you know we're growing every week, so I appreciate you guys so much from the bottom of my heart. Thank you to all my listeners out there. And if you would like to be a guest on the show, please email me at dimmingthegaslight at gmail.com. Let's get to our interview. So I'm here with a new friend of mine, and her name is Giselle. And it's funny, I guess maybe there are no coincidences in life. Um, So before I started this podcast, I follow a lot of people on Instagram. And by the way, you can follow me at dimming underscore the underscore gaslight on Instagram. Again, dimming underscore the underscore gaslight. And uh, so something stuck out to me about Giselle's posts because she would tag the location, which is actually super close to where I am. Um, And I don't know a lot of people. Um, who have firsthand experience with narcissistic abuse. So I thought I'd reach out to her. And uh, clearly, she's very versed in the subjects um, based upon her posts. So I believe I reached out to her first. And I said something along the lines of like, hey, you know, really small world, but I'm having, you know, I'm only like a few miles from you. Um, and I really, you know, I know a really small amount of people in the world who have firsthand experience with narcissistic abuse. So um She's really great. She's really nice. We got to talking and I heard a little bit about her story and I thought it would be a great idea for her to come on the podcast. So uh, Giselle, welcome to the show. Say hello to everybody. Hey, thank you so much for having me. You sound great. So um, <laughs> do you want to do you want to plug your Instagram so everybody knows where they can follow you? Sure. My Instagram is brand new. I just started it about a month ago and it's called you are better now with a period between each word so you dot are dot better dot now sounds good awesome <laughs> so follow her on instagram everybody um so Thanks. yeah she and i have uh, she and i have gotten uh, the chance to talk and uh, so she's going to be our guest today on dimming the gaslight so um, Giselle, it's, it's your show. Um, you know, I know that, uh, you have a pretty interesting backstory and, um, it's up to you. Where do you want to get started? 
Um, okay, I guess um, I listened to your podcast. And unfortunately, like your story, most of us have all, all have the same exact story where we started out in this relationship and we just have no idea where it went, where it went wrong. <laughs> and um, that's basically exactly what happened to me. So I just wanted to, you know, touch up on that because um, I would just wish there was more information out there. So the same thing doesn't happen to other people. Yeah. Don't you feel so fortunate? Like I always feel like there's so many people out in the world who, whoever they're with, whether it it doesn't have to be a relationship either. It could be a parent or a relative, or it could be a boss or it could be somebody, but we, we just think like these people are crazy and we walk around and we go, Oh, that person's crazy. And I, I, you know, I just wish I didn't have to deal with them anymore, but like so many people don't know about narcissistic abuse. I feel so fortunate having known that. Don't you? Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, like for me, a narcissist before all of this happened was somebody that was, you know, preoccupied with their looks, very vain. Um, you know, a narcissist to me, I always assumed they're easy to spot. They're the ones that command all this attention and, you know, maybe a little arrogant and you can choose to stay away from them if you want to, which I kind of like, I don't like being around loud attention seeking type people. But guess what? There happens to be a thing called a covert narcissist, which if you don't know, um, it's it's so much worse because you have no idea what you're dealing with. Yeah, it's like it's like a serial killer. You know, I think I think there was a a movie or something back in the day called like I married an axe murderer or something like that. And that's how I feel. Yes, unfortunately, that is the case. Totally. So, so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? You want to, uh, I don't know if you want to start at the beginning or uh, it's up to you. Sure. It's your show. I mean, yeah, I, I have no problem sharing my story. It's, you know, it's sad. It's even humiliating they're, sometimes when I think about it. They're all but... sad. They're all sad. But the, <laughs> the important thing is, is that your story is going to help a lot of people. So don't worry about it being sad. I think so. And I think the most important thing to recognize is the way um, that these people are so predictable. They all follow a cycle and it's pretty much textbook. So my my story started where um, I was going through the end of my marriage. I had been married for a long time. I got married very young and, you know, my ex-husband and I had grown apart and I was just kind of scared, miserable, terrified. I didn't know what to do. Really, I was kind of stuck. And this guy that I grew up with, he started, you know, talking to me through social media. And at first I was like, why is this man who's not, you know, married, a single bachelor, no kids, nothing like that? Why does he keep talking to me? I kept wondering. But um, he started talking to me a lot. And I didn't have a lot of friends at the time. So it was weird for me to like open up to somebody but finally I started opening up to him and I started telling him my story and this man listened to every every little detail that I told him he listened he paid attention he remembered and he basically gave me everything that I didn't have in my marriage so what came of that was I thought like I found the perfect perfect person he gave me excitement he gave me friendship He gave me a lot of attention, whereas my ex-husband was always at work. And then we we were never like as a couple, we had grown apart. So this man just basically infiltrated every single part of my life. And um, 
he was everything like emotionally, physically, everything. So it was pretty much, it's considered um, the love bombing stage. So they basically, um, what happens is, hold on, I have a note. They um, bombard you literally with love, affection. You are perfect to them. You are flawless. They profess their love early on. So when you're a vulnerable person, this is perfect for them because you are not even thinking clearly. And, so, and in my experience, what they do is they, they kind of store all this stuff so that they can use it against you later. Absolutely. I mean, everything I told him came back multiple times that he would throw it in my face. So, I mean, basically, if you're going through a relationship and it's moving extremely quickly and they're professing their love early on to you and you, you're suddenly like, the, you know, God's gift, your soulmate, those are all red flags. And I didn't, I didn't realize it. I just really thought like, you know, I, well, we knew each other growing up. So I thought, you know, I did have like that connection where, you know, you have a certain type of love for people you grew up with. So I just, you know, I loved him as a person because I knew him and like we grew up together, but I just, I let so many things go. Was he different as your friend as compared to the person that you were dating? I realized now I didn't really know him that much. I really didn't. Like I knew him, but I didn't, like I always say, I thought I knew you, but I didn't know. I didn't know him at all. That's a scary <laughs> And thought. what's funny is a lot of people that we grew up with have told me, they're like, you know, who, what really, really, who was he? Like he didn't have any type of personality. He didn't have any type of empathy connection with anyone. It's, it's actually really scary. He was just like a person, but not, I don't know. I'll bet you it's anything weird. he stole yours. He stole what? Your My, personality. Yeah, he stole things like that. Yeah, he took away. He tried to take away everything that's me. Like, um, I I was like very big into social media. I like being like part of the community. I like reaching out. I like having connections. And he made me feel bad about posting. He made me feel like I was like, trying to get attention in the wrong ways which i'm not if you see my social media it's not like that at all he, he did that um, right from the jump um no not right from the jump but it, it's it's a slow process yeah it's a slow burn for sure so basically so that's the love bombing stage where you're perfect uh you're flawless you're the one that they've been looking for and you know they give you everything love affection sex excitement everything you could ever um you know want so then basically you become if you're a normal empathetic person you become bonded to this person and then especially if you were going through a hardship and this person's like a savior which is like how it was for me i became so like attached to him emotionally physically mentally spiritually like i loved him so much i overlooked everything so that's basically called a trauma bond because i'm bonded to this person whom i can see with my own eyes that he is not being respectful to me i can see he's de degrading me i can see that he's cursing me out i can see that he is literally telling me that i have no value that i'm a worthless person and i am still thinking oh, what can I do to, to like make him see the value in me? And that's basically the type of relationship after, after he moved in with me, he changed. So mm. he, it was like this love bombing stage for about nine months. 
And then he moved in with me and, and he started changing. Like everything I did was now wrong. Like mm-hmm. even the way I make coffee in the morning was wrong. I used to say, um, by, you know, I could wake up on a Saturday and by eight o'clock, my day could already be ruined because I poured the coffee pot and I got a little bit of coffee on the countertop or something, or like, you know, I made the coffee and I didn't realize that I spilled some like coffee residue or, you know, grounded up coffee beans. And next thing you know, I'm getting screamed at and my Saturday is already ruined by 8 a.m. Um, I can totally understand what you're saying. Like I would wake up with him in the morning. He would be hugging me, telling me he loves me. By the time we were making coffee, he would be telling me he's going to leave me. I'm like, what the hell? (sighs) Literally like what the hell? Like who does that either? I was like, you just were in love with me 15 minutes ago and now you want to leave me. Like there's no in between, right? It's either they love you or they hate you. And And you're, and you're so in the dark because you start thinking like, is this person, mentally unstable are you bipolar Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know and i'm not a doctor i'm not a therapist i don't know where to place what you're doing but something happens and you go i there's got to be an answer to this right right so then you get conditioned to like always be kind of like you want to be one step ahead you want to make sure that you're like on edge make sure you don't do anything that pisses them off so that creates a you know within your body a flight or fight or flight um, response. And so basically, it's just causing extreme anxiety throughout your body, and you don't even realize it. And really, there's that's no way to live like a person that loves you would never do those things to you. And I used to beg him, I used to cry, I used to say, like, I'm a human, like, it's, you know, everybody, if you love someone, you love like their little flaws, like, little mistakes here and there. Like, for example, I could cook dinner, first of all, food shop, pay for the food, cook it, clean the dishes, clean the counters, clean the stove, put away leftovers, throw out the garbage by myself in the winter outside, come back home, come back in and then, you know, go to sleep in the morning. He would get mad because I had forgotten to put a plastic bag back in the container. <laughs> I'm like, Do you think there's-? he would open the thing and slam it and be like, Oh, of course you didn't, you know, you, you don't uh, put the garbage bag in. I'm like, Oh my God, I did like, 30 other things do you think you could do one like one yeah, thing I, mean, I was like is that even okay. worth fighting about a garbage bag just put the garbage no. bag on and keep the day moving and it just makes you feel like shit because i just felt like like i would do so much you know like and, and it was never good, good enough. enough yeah it was exactly. never a compliment it was never like wow you know like nice dinner it was never a good mood it was never appreciation it was always a bad mood always dissatisfied and then like with this horrible attitude that I couldn't even, I didn't even understand what was wrong. And like you, I tried to take him to doctors. I said, let's please, if you, if you really do have depression, cause he would say he has depression. I would say, please, you know, you can get help for that. And, um, he would, he would then turn it around and say that it was stress and that I can never understand his stress because I get a paycheck without working for it. That's what he would say to me. So he would blame it on because he works for himself. So he has to kind of like hustle to get like his next clients, his next paycheck, you know? And, and so in his mind, for whatever reason, he thinks that I could just lay down in bed or sit on my ass, like he would say, and get paid. But the reality is at seven in the morning, my alarm would get off 
go off and I have to jump out of bed. I have to take two kids to school. I have to make lunches. I have to make snacks. I have to make breakfast. I have to take them to school. I have to get my little one dressed. I come back. He's still in bed (laughs) asleep or on Instagram, liking girls in bikinis while I just did an hour's worth of stuff. Then I still like, I'm already up for the day. So I make my coffee. I clean up. I do everything. I go to the gym. I come home. He's still moping around in sweats. I'm like, Hey, do you think you want to get like a workout in? Do you want to take a shower today? Do you want to do something? Like I tried to get him to like have a, a healthy routine, you know, but sounds like, sounds like, uh, you know, the way parents talk to a teenager, like, do you want to get up, get out of bed and do something with your life? I often tell people like the lowest point in my life was telling a grown man to like, do you want to like, take a shower and start your day and you know, like, things like that. And it it just to me, it shows like your like his mental state was like, not, not there. And I how did he how did he react when you called him out on it? You're not going to believe it. He would turn it around and say that. Bet you I will. That I, it's, it's so insane. Like, I would just stand there with my mouth open. He would say that I was trying to stop him from working out because I would ask him to shower. <laughs> and I'm like, but it's Thursday. You haven't showered. You're blaming it on me. <laughs> I'm like, it's that time of the week. You have to shower. Yeah, no, it was. Honestly, honestly, I'm going to throw it outside and gotten the hose or something. <laughs> honestly, Mac, like I've been there with depression. I've had my share of things and, and I, uh, but like the things that I witnessed uh, are, is nothing. It's almost like he did a lot of things to like, you know, you know, just like upset me and, and say things to upset me. And I used to often say um, to him, like literally to him, like, why, why would you want a girlfriend? that's always crying and always hurt and everything. But I realize now that that is actually called um, a narcissistic supply. Right. So that would make him feel uh, powerful that he had that, that power over me that he could take someone who's starting their day happy and healthy and, you know, trying to look at the positives and he could turn it around very easily. And, and I would be nothing. I would be crying. I would be nervous. I would mm-hmm. be, begging him like please let's you know let's have a nice day let's have a nice weekend he had all the power and it was just i don't understand why anyone would want to live like that but these these people they they thrive off of your misery they thrive off of pulling out the rug from under you mm-hmm. and it's their way of exerting some type of control and i find too that what they do is they have no problem with taking you know from no. people but they have a problem with putting back into the world. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I feel like they, they take and they take and they take. And then, you know, going back to your garbage bag in the garbage analogy or, or scenario, the moment you say, you know, Hey, I did this, 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 and this. And they go, what do you think? You're better than me. You're not better than me. I, you know, I don't tell me what to do. I'm not an, I'm not an idiot. You think I can't put a garbage bag back in a garbage can? I know what I'm doing. Don't tell me what to do. You're not my boss of me. Right? Um, yeah, those things have all been said to me. Yeah. And then they turn it around 
on you because you are trying to now micro quote unquote. I wish you, you know, I wish listeners can see me right now. You're quote unquote trying to run their life because you told them to put a garbage bag in the garbage can. And next thing you know, you're the abuser, Giselle, because you told him to put a garbage bag in the garbage can. You're absolutely right. I know. That's exactly how it is. Mm -hmm. It's like you said, they're textbook. They are textbook. They are. So um, basically, uh, those cycles, it's, it's just very predictable. And I wish I knew about it. I wish I knew about it before. I wish I knew what I was dealing with. Mm-hmm. But when you're faced with it, you know, for the first time, and you've never read up on it, you don't have any knowledge of it, you have, you don't really know what's going on. And you'll, if you are trauma bonded, you will try anything to get this person to be like who they were in the beginning of the of the relationship but the truth is that that person doesn't exist that wasn't a real person that was what they call a mask so they gave you everything you wanted in the beginning but after they have you hooked they change and the their true person comes out and the really evil ones will literally which is what he did to me was keep telling me to keep trying that if I if I relieved his stress a little, or if I worked more for him, mm-hmm. or if I did this, if I did that, then he could be like how he used to be. Yeah. And after a while, you just realize it's never going to be enough. It's never going to be enough. There's no, there's no amount of sacrifice you can give to them that they're going to say, you know what? I would kill for this, man. I would have killed for this for nine years of my life. Just for her to have said, you know what? I see what you do for me and I appreciate you. I would have killed for that. Yeah. I understand. And it's such a, like, it leaves you feeling so empty because like you really tried, like I tried with, with everything to make him happy. I I helped him at all of his businesses, not one, all (laughs) I helped him. I helped him. How many businesses were there? Um, well, he's pretty smart. He, you know, like he invested his money and he, he started, um, he does DJ, then he branched out and did photography, videography. So before long, I had jobs like literally photographing brides on their wedding day, like Ooh. major responsibilities. So you're a photographer? With- no, he paid oh. me to work. Paid me, <laughs> paid me zero dollars. Why would he pay you me- after all he does for you? <laughs> he paid me zero dollars. But then he wanted me to split my real estate commissions with him (laughs) while he's living in my house for free. Oh, my God. That's you have no idea the extent of the manipulation. Like it started out. I was thinking I was just going to say manipulation. The extent of the manipulation. But it started out like, hey, come with me to this party. Like it's not a, you know, such an extravagant thing. It's a sweet 16. But I thought it was cute that my boyfriend wanted me to go with him. You know, and it, so like I saw like how parties are from behind the scenes because I had always been attending the parties. So, you know, it was fun. And, you know, little by little, he's like, oh, you know, they would really like it if we took pictures. Why don't so I can add it to my packages? And I was like, oh, sure. Like I'm outgoing. I would go up to the tables. I would, you know, get the people together. I speak English and Spanish. So it was no problem, like communicating with all different kinds of people. And I feel like I really helped him a lot of times. I helped him make double. I helped him every way that I could, anything he asked of me, even things he didn't ask of me, because he's like, 
since he's a covert narcissist, he has um, antisocial uh, tendencies. So like he couldn't even go up to the people and ask for the pay at the end. Like he will just start packing up and won't want to face people. So I would have to go up to the brides and say, hi, I hope you enjoyed everything. Um, how would you like to settle this bill? Venmo, Zelle, like he would yeah, yeah. never do that. So I, I feel like I helped, I feel like I helped him so much. And not once did he say, thank you. You know, we did it. We are a good team or I appreciate what you did. Never, never. Yeah. And then, um, so I was just listening to what you were saying. Did you find that um, you felt that you kind of elevated him in terms of like uh, status or something like that? I feel like I did. Sure. Did I, well, I mean, I mean more so did, did he feel like you elevated him? Like, oh, I'm, you know, it's I like, don't know because did he show he you off me... a lot? Did he wanted to post a lot of pictures with you? Did no. he brag about you or did he try to like keep you hidden away? That was a, another part that was so painful to me. Like he never once, like all these parties that I did with him, all these nights out that I did with him that I, I would plan everything. I would always like, even if I was working the parties, I would wear like a nice, you know, black dress and high heels. Like you never see that. You see people setting up and they're wearing like sneakers and a hoodie. <laughs> like I always looked, I always tried to look nice for him. Not once did this man ever compliment me. Did he ever say, you look so pretty. We could be at beautiful venues. We could be overlooking New York City skyline. He would take a picture of the skyline. And post, you know, New York City, whatever. Not once did he say, hey, come stand with me. Let's take a picture. It's a beautiful background. Yeah. Not, not once. So that would like kind of break my heart. And, and I was like, how come you never like post pictures with me? And, and he always had a weird excuse. He's like, I, I don't want to post my personal life. Or we would, you know, we would be out to dinner at nice places and he would only post the food. And I'm like, but even if you don't want to post yourself, like, why not post a picture of like your girlfriend sipping a glass of wine or saying, you know, I'm happy to be on a date night. And you could do any little thing to make your partner feel loved, to feel seen, to feel um, valuable or appreciated. Mm -hmm. And you will never have any of those things with a narcissist. But they will not no. give you that ever. Yeah, totally. They never do. Um, I found a lot of times with... Um, so I mentioned on one of the previous podcasts that um, my ex only had like four or 500 pictures less than Kim Kardashian. Mm -hmm. And um, it drove me crazy because I'd be like, uh, you know, well, the thing is too, with my ex, she never wanted to date me after we had kids. So I'd say, Hey, let's go back to where we had our first date. Or like you said, let's go to some rooftop bar in New York city and let's go hang out and, and let's be married. You know, we're mom and dad, we are mom and dad, but we're also husband and wife and let's go be husband and wife. And, uh, I'd end up, <laughs> I'd end up being like, I I'd end up cause I'm a big foodie. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a big, big foodie. And I like to like travel around New York city and find like new places and stuff. And Me too. Uh, I, 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 love that. I would, uh, I would end up saying to my friend, they'd be like, Hey bro, do you want to go on a date with me? Cause I got a new sushi oh my place. God. My wife won't go to with me. You know, that's so sad. It's I'm depressing. So sorry to hear it's that. Depressing. It is. Yeah. But now it's kind of, I can totally relate. Now, now that it, it, it's almost funny now, because now I feel like armed with all the knowledge that I have, it, it, it's armed. It, I'm, I feel like I have armor now. You know what I mean? Like it kind of, 
there's there's some funniness to it, but there's some really dark stories too. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I'm I'm not even at the part where I think it's funny. I'm still at no? the part. No, I'm at the part where I mean it was rough after the breakup. I realized I hey, started wait, wait, real just, quick. Like, can I ask you one more question? Sure. About about um, I don't know loyalty or whatever. Did you ever mm-hmm. think he was messing around? That would be a whole nother. <laughs> was he messing podcast. around? Okay. All right. Um, he, well, I'll let you was, get to your story. I'm sorry. I didn't let's interrupt just you. say that I, I think I caught it before it happens. So I'm pretty confident. I'm like 95% sure that he didn't. Like, I, I but, don't mean this with any disrespect. Okay. But you mm-hmm. might've caught it before one instance happened. Well, the thing is after I caught it, our relationship was never the same. Sure. Never. I never trusted him again. And good and, for you. Good for you. And he, and he held it against me. He held, he's like, you're so insecure. You're, you, you're always checking on me. And I was like, well, um, when you see what I saw. Yeah. It was bad. Do you want to, do you want to elaborate on that? Or you want to keep that to yourself? <sighs> I guess I'll elaborate on it. You it's, don't have to. It's, but it's, up to you. it's definitely like, Definitely the most humiliating thing I have ever been through in my life. Um, and I'm actually like, I really doubt my parents are going to. I doubt my parents are going to listen to this. So because they don't know and my kids don't know, but I'm just going to say it because it might help. Other hey, listen, people. if nothing else, I could edit this out. Okay. Okay. All right. So my phone mysteriously disappeared in my new house. We had just moved into this house together and I lost it. I lost it. I couldn't find it. I don't know if I lost it at a restaurant because we had gone out to dinner, but it was a quick dinner. I called the restaurant. It wasn't there. So he gave me, he had two phones. So he gave me one of his and until Why I Why do got, you have two you know, phones for one for one for work? One for work. I call that a trap then, phone where I'm from. Yeah. So he had a, he had just gotten it actually. So I, it wasn't like it was weird or anything. So I was with him when he got it. It was one of those like deals, like you could add a line for, you know, small amount of money. So he did. And he's like, I'm going to use this one just for real estate for some reason. I mean, I don't understand why, but whatever. So he did. And then he gave it to me to use until I was going to take, it was literally, I was literally living paycheck to paycheck. And this man would not help me at all. I paid all, I paid the entire mortgage here. I paid my car. I paid myself when I paid everything. And it was my first time being on my own. And I'm sure so his bills I too. I didn't pay. He, the, he was only responsible for his own bills, his own car, his own phone. But mm. he, he, like even the food, like I would, he wouldn't even, I, he would eat here, but he wouldn't help like at all. Okay. So, and he didn't feel bad. Like most people that are like, getting if you love your partner that's just for the first time living on her own with three kids wouldn't you want to like help out a little and like you you see like literally every penny was accounted for so when my phone went missing i didn't have an extra five or six or eight hundred dollars to pay for a phone so he let me use his phone so you think that's nice right i thought it was nice i thought he was the most amazing boyfriend just for letting me use his phone so I had picked up a second job at the time. So I was working in my friend's beauty salon answering phones. Um, because with real estate, you only get paid once the transaction closes. So there's lapses in payment. 
So for the first time in my life, I have two jobs. Plus I'm alone with my kids and I'm sitting there and I was planning on getting my hair cut. So I go to type in my beauty salon, which is elite salon. Since it's not my phone, I don't have it saved. I go to type in elite in the search. What comes up in the search? Can I guess? Go ahead. Elise. No, I just elite Elite. like elite salon. Yeah, but I thought maybe a girl's name named Elise would pop up. No. What came up was pages upon pages of escort searches. Oh, my God. Of escort searches. So I was like, oh, like, literally, I went numb. I was sitting in my chair. I went numb. Like, I could nothing. The girl that was blow drawing someone's hair comes up to me. She's like, are you Okay. And I was like, yes, because if you're with a man and he starts a relationship with someone, you can tell like they'll be gone. They're getting calls. But to be with an escort, he could easily say, I'm going to one of my jobs and I'm gone for an hour or two. And then that's it. You'll never hear from that person again. And I just thought to myself, how dark, how horrible, like what kind of a person does this? Is that common? How long were no, of course not. A common, no. Only for a psych only for a narcissist. <laughs> but um, how long were you with him at this point? At this point, I was with him already a year and a half. Yeah. And I mean, that's so I was I was invested and he had already started being like withdrawing from me, devaluing me, um, mm-hmm. pointing out like he would spend his days pointing out all these flaws in me. Like you didn't work enough today. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. Your son is, you know, climbing up to get snacks, you know, like little things that, you know, it's like, you just don't see eye to eye. Like I just didn't see why he was always trying to pick these fights with me. How did he uh, react I- when you called him out on it? I actually didn't for like a a little bit. I was just like, what the fuck is this? So I just kept using his phone, but I would see. And when he would go to work to different jobs, he is when he would do these searches. And then literally I started going nuts. Like I was like shaking, crying. I'm like, is this going to be like the day that he cheats on me? Like, I don't know. So finally he, why didn't you leave him? Why didn't you leave him? I was just so scared to be alone. I was scared that I had just, you know, like I had just gotten divorced pretty much. And my divorce had just gotten final finalized. And I was just like, if I thought I was vulnerable when I was going through the divorce, now is when I was most vulnerable because I was just like so scared. So I, I finally confronted him and I was hysterical. I was like, why are you looking this up? And he, he told me two lies. He said that, He's like, oh, men look at this like how they look at porn. No. Really? No. <laughs> like, I mean, no, do they really? really? No. Are you looking up escort ads and that turns you on like watching porn? No. There's there's a much more live element to looking up escorts. So I was just like, I just, I couldn't believe it. I was sick. Like, I was literally sick to my stomach. That's one everywhere. lie. What's the other lie? The other lie which I am just like embarrassed to say this, but I'll tell you, he went and got like one of those fat freezing treatments. What? The what treatments? Like, like the fat freezing. Okay. Like yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then after you get that, um, 
they said that you should massage the area for the best results. So he says that's why he was looking up those massage parlors. And I was like, that's funny that you say that because I'm, I'm literally working at my friend's salon that offers facials, massage, um, you know, all these, you know, spa services, but yet you're looking up motel, uh, escort places. Does that make any sense? And I just couldn't believe I, And he told me, he's like, he just like turned it around on me. Like, why are you looking at my phone? Why are you doing it? Of course. And I was like, I, I, when I tell you, I swear on Christ, I would never in my wildest dreams have imagined, would have imagined that a man would do that or even like my boyfriend would be doing that. Like, Can I, I tell just, you? Can I tell you something? <laughs> a man doesn't do that. From one man, well, I would say one man to another. You're not a man. Speaking from a man's perspective, a man doesn't do that. I, and I, that's why I asked you, like, I'm still so naive. I'm like, is that common? Like, do men do this? Because you're gaslighting I was yourself, Giselle. Huh? You're gaslighting yourself right now. I don't even, it's the extent of like the abuse that he did to me. Like you cannot even imagine. And, and then he turned it, he would rage. So like, I couldn't even bring it up because I was like, why would I want to bring it up if, if it's going to cause like a huge fight? But bottom line you want to know why because that's called a narcissistic injury because you caught him in some of his bullshit and now he knows that you're expecting him to take accountability for his actions and that is death to a narcissist that means that they they have to be in control all the time they have to control the narrative so when you call them on their nonsense you're the enemy they don't owe they in their brain they don't owe you shit Mm-hmm. yeah and you know what too I, I after i asked you before i said why didn't you leave him at that point i apologize because that wasn't a good question to ask you because i know the answer and the answer is you were trauma bonding you're chasing yeah. you're trying to chase getting back to that feeling it's a drug it's a drug i can imagine what a drug addict feels like when he would quote threaten me with leaving and he'd drive off it was like like if I was possessed, like I had to run to the door. I and he made a post about it, saying that you know like I was crazy. I would run to his car. I really did run to his car, and I would I would go in his car seat, like jump in his car in his front, you know, driver's seat, passenger seat, and I would say, please, why are you doing this? Like, why do you want to just walk away? Why don't you like? If he was confronted with anything, he would automatically leave. Like that's not an adult. And adults would, would want to work it out and resolve it and have a conflict resolution and move on and never touch that topic again. But with a narcissist, it will never be like that because like you said, they'll never admit to being wrong. They'll never acknowledge it and they'll never apologize. And con- this man never apologized. Never. He never, never said, Giselle, you know what? This was stupid. It's something I used to do when I was single and I'm sorry is a bad habit. I still did it. You, anything tell me anything uh, tell me the truth like right. why are you looking up prostitutes like what the hell is that mm-hmm. i just didn't know what it was and i just i don't even know what to say like i stayed with him but yeah. i do know for a fact since then he never did it again he really did not ever do it again how do you know that for a fact <clears throat> because i would check his phone i would Good. check his phone i would check his searches i would check his calls I would, I would know when he's going to work. And most of the times I would go to work with him because I had to anyway, I had jobs at his jobs. Did you, so he was, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Did you ever like track him? 
no. <laughs> okay. Well, I've heard I've heard stories about that where some people, when they start doubting their narcissist, they'll throw a tracker in the trunk or something just to who gives a shit? It's like having a private investigator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, listen, I never did it, but I wouldn't be above it. No, but but knowing what I know now, these compulsive liars, I wouldn't be above it. You don't understand like what I had to go through in this relationship in order to oh, stay in it, like. <laughs> he he would once that trust was broken for me i i was never the same i could never look at him the same way so like the only reason he'd leave the house really was to do um he would do photos for a real estate appraiser i would literally like if he left the house at 11 i would look at the first picture he took and it was like 11 45 i was like okay it makes sense he took a bunch of pictures they all line up and then the last one is at like one and then he was home at 1 30 i was like okay good oh <laughs> he my did god what he was supposed to do. <laughs> the, no that's hilarious because we develop these survival techniques right that's these- the only way that's I the only way. With him. Yeah. And, and if he would have taken his last picture at one and he got home at 3 30, oh I would have lost it. I would have lost it. I would have like kicked him out, thrown out all his shit. Aren't you so glad you don't have to live like that anymore? I honestly, Mac, like I hit I go to bed and I sleep so peacefully. No, I wake up and I'm in peace. I I'm making I often say I'm cooking in peace. I don't have anyone over my shoulder criticizing me. If I feel like having, you know, whatever for dinner, I can have it. It's just the most, I can't even believe I fought living against like this. Like my house is filled with harmony. My kids are, are amazing kids. They're either working or in school. My two older ones, my little one, he's in the other room. You don't even know I have a kid here. It's just, I, I could not love, honestly, I have never loved my life more than how I am right now. Narcissist free. I'm free from that tension. I'm free from that fear. I'm mm-hmm. free from that constant state of, of, oh, I can't, I don't even know what it is. Walking it on like eggshells and the panic and the, ugh, just panic. Panic yeah. is definitely a big one. Panic. Yeah. Um, it's just like, no stability in my life with him at all yeah and it's just like what is the what is the reasoning what was i fighting for i have no idea and this is a man that i literally gave him everything i gave him a home i gave him a family because he never had a family of his own so that's maybe we didn't touch on that yet and i don't mean to interrupt you um i'm sure i'm sure you gave him the world i can only imagine because i know what i gave i know what i sacrificed in order to get to you know that point you know i've talked about how badly i wanted a family you know would you talk a little bit about his parenting his his as a father how was he he's uh, he's not the father of my children so you have no children with him i have no children with him I was how about divorced. how about with his stepkids any involvement with how he was with my kids yeah well i mean he's technically their stepfather right it's funny that you say that. I mean, he never played, him. he never really p- played that role despite pretty much having a big part in raising my, my little one is, was three when we got together and he just turned eight and he still misses him and talks about him most oh. nights, most nights. He's like, Oh, how do you think this? And I was like, mommy doesn't think about him because you know, he wasn't a good man to mommy. And he, and he's like, well, he was a good man to me. Mm. My son says that. And I was like, no, he really wasn't, but okay. Like, I don't want to take that away from him because Uh he really did love him. My son would go to kindergarten and come home and it would say like the project was draw your family and it would draw 
mom and the boyfriend holding hands and 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 then the siblings and like he he always everything he wrote he's like I love my family I have the best family and and I would see those pictures hung up on his room and I would cry to this man I would be like why are you doing this like we're a family my son thinks we're a family and he looked me dead in the eye and he's like well your son's wrong when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's disturbing. Yes. Those I mean, are the types of the, the, like, so like, no, he was never a stepfather to them. You know, he was just like your mom's boyfriend. He, he made it clear that he was not, he was just like a man living with their mother as mm-hmm. low class as that can be, but that's how it was. You're you're reminding me of my ex always claimed to be super sentimental, but I don't feel like she was. The only thing that she was sentimental about is the amount of pictures she would take. And she would always go back and say, um, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the line, you're going to you're going to be grateful that I had all these pictures. And I always said, I don't live life through, you know, a a screen like this. I like to experience. I wish the viewers can see. I mean, the listeners could see right now. I'm holding my fingers up and saying, I don't, you know, like a, like the shape of a phone. I don't live my life like that. I don't view my life through a phone. And maybe that's more a man thing than a woman thing. I don't know. But um, <laughs> she would always like rub that back in my face. And I'm going to be happy about those pictures. Me, I liked to be in my kid's life. If I'm at a school play, you know, granted, sure, you can record the school play, but I don't look at my phone when I'm recording. I'm viewing up there. You know what I mean? Oh, so, yeah. so um, my whole point is, is that when you talk about, you know, how the kid remembers him mm-hmm. and he doesn't, he says, no, you know, he's remembering it wrong. Right. That's what you said. Mm-hmm. That's so disturbing. That's so I disturbing, know. you know, and it sucks that like, um, you gotta, in the long run, you're going to have to unfuck your son's brain. So that's not <laughs> how he thinks, you know? Yeah. Well, I'll just let him, you know, if he wants to have that memory of him. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 I don't really know. I, I guess I could talk to my therapist about that, like how to handle that mm. for now. I just let it go. Hey, that's really great. Really an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's really great that you just touched on your therapist and you mentioned before, you know, you've had your battles with depression and stuff. That's really important to me too. Um, in terms of like people expressing, I, I would love for the stigma of mental health issues to just kind of go away. I mean, we're in 2022 people like, yeah. you know, depression is normal. Um, you know, like even if you're called bipolar or something like that, it's not a death sentence. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. So Maybe, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, did you want to talk about, like, um, well, you've touched on, you know, your mental health issues while within the relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. Why don't you talk a little bit about how you came to the realization that he was a narcissist and that early days of recovery? Because I'll tell you, man, mine were ugly, ugly. They were bad. I don't even want to think of those days, but 
Um, uh, so listen, hold on. That's going to help somebody so much. What you're about to say is going to help somebody so much. So don't, you got to think about it. Yeah, no, I will. I will say everything. Cause you know, what's the point of saying half the story? I'll say everything. It's embarrassing. It's humiliating, but it's also not my fault. And it's no one's fault that ends up in a relationship like this. So, and, and I have read things that, that literally are very much in line with what my experience was. Like I have read so many things that say, if you want to be absolutely shocked, look at, look at a narcissist's phone. Like you will not believe what you find. And it's true. So, um, so the way I found out about um, that he was actually a narcissist, it was a long journey at first. Like I said, I thought he had depression then he said that it was not depression, it was stress because he has to work really hard for his money. Then I started noticing how quickly, like I had told you before, his moods can shift. So he would literally be hugging me first thing in the morning at like 8 a.m. And like by 8, 8.30, he's threatening to leave me almost every other day. So I started thinking maybe this man is bipolar. And it started affecting me so much, like his constant mood swings and his tempers and everything that I started going to a therapist because I was so affected by his attitude. So I started seeing a therapist and I started telling her my story. I said, I just been through a divorce and my marriage didn't work out because we grew apart. And, you know, I, I had, I do believe I had depression in my marriage and I told her how I met this man and we started working together. And at first she was all smiles. And then when I started telling her about the dynamics of the relationship, her, I remember seeing her smile drop and she's like, oh, no, 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 no. And then she told me right away. She's like, this sounds like a very one sided relationship. It sounds mm -hmm. like you're, you, you do everything. You pay the bills, you help him, you do this, you do that. She's like, I'm going to ask you a few questions. She's like, does he cooperate financially in the house? And I was like, no, not really. He pays one, like one or two bills. He paid PSENG and water. That's it. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay. And, and out of those bills, does he complain when he has to pay them? I'm like, yes, he does. She's like, okay. And then she's like, I'm going to ask you another question. She's like, when he gets mad, does he like scream in your face or try to intimidate you? And I said, no, not at all. Cause he didn't at the time. And she looked at me and she's like, he will. And I said, no, no, he would never. And she's like, does he like throw things when he's angry or punch walls or anything? And I said, no, no, that, that's not him. And she's like, he will. And she's like, the thing with these relationships is that they always escalate. And literally everything she said came true. He did end up, you know, breaking things in my house, throwing things, screaming at me. The, the verbal abuse escalated terribly at the end. Uh, it was just horrible. So mm -hmm. the the way I figured out that he was a narcissist was by seeking therapy. And a lot of times people that are in therapy are in therapy to deal with the other people in their lives that are affecting them so much. I've seen that meme a lot on Instagram. And it's so true. Like Very I true. literally, I remember I parked across the street from my doctor's office. The first time I went, I ran in, I literally ran in in tears. Like I couldn't wait to tell someone like everything I was going through Ugh. and this, and this woman, you know, she's like, first things first, like you have to get on medication. And I'm like against that. I was like, 
no, no, no. I was like, she's like, okay, I understand that you want a holistic approach, but if you take a, a low dose antidepressant, it's going to help you regulate your central nervous system and you're going to be able to make better decisions. It just helps and to I'll, take the, I, I, so I've had experience with that too. And it just helps to take the edge off just a little bit. So I, I was so against it. And then at, at that moment, I realized like I was so unwell. My heart is racing. My palms mm-hmm. are sweaty. I'm crying. I am just disturbed, like emotionally, mentally. I can't make decisions. I'm not being a good mother. I'm so I was like, oh, my God, I, I really do. Need, like, this is like a medical situation. Like, I need I need to listen to this doctor. Yeah. So I started listening to her. I started taking the medicine. I started seeing her by her request every week talking to her and, and evaluating and, and she's so good and so patient. And I always tell her like, literally because of her, like she helped me turn my life around and a few good friends too. So thankfully I got out of a really, really bad situation that was only going to get worse. Yeah. I mean, you live through, you live through a war zone. You Absolutely. Did. And that's, you know, we, we have, PTSD and CPTSD for the listener. If you don't know what CTP, CPTSD is, means compact PTSD where, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's more so like PTSD is um, more like one event and CPTSD is more like um, certain scenarios will cause it. Do you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. I think they okay. said it was complex. Yeah. Complex. complex? What did yeah. I say? I forgot. <laughs> that's and let me tell you something. That's another symptom. My mind is shot. Isn't it have- amazing? We have, a, we have a freaking psychology degree now because we just went through shitty relationships. It's all of a sudden like we might as I feel like I would need to go back to school to become a psychologist. I'm in the wrong business. I know. Ridiculous. I know. It's very interesting how the mind works. It's very interesting, like the effects of certain abuse, like what it does mm-hmm. to you. But, but- it's also interesting, the resiliency of the human spirit. That's true, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, recently, just to show you the ex- effects that this man had on me, um, I was at my therapist, mm-hmm. and uh, now I'm seeing, in the same office, I'm seeing a, a man as well. He said to me, Giselle, I want that he's very experienced with trauma. And he said to me, I want you to um, tell me a few um, good points about you, like some good things about you. And I literally said, I'm a good mother and I'm very direct. Yeah. And then like, and he's like, what else? And I was like, there's nothing else good about me. And he's like, he's like, how can you, he's like, okay, so you're struggling to tell me that there's nothing else good about you. And I was like, that's right. He's like, how about you're a hard worker? And I was like, no, I'm not a hard worker. He's like, why do you say that? And I was like, well, because my ex-husband used, to, I mean, my ex-boyfriend used to say that, that I don't work enough and I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't make enough money. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he literally had to walk me through it. He's like, if somebody is retired and they're not going to get paid for this job, but they volunteer their time, like at a homeless shelter. And they're, they're working there every day and they're doing things and they're coordinating events and they're taking care of homeless people. Are, is that person a hard worker? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, but he's not getting paid. And he's like, I'm like, that's true. And he's like, so you are a hard worker. You're a work, you work hard at being a mother. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, thank you. Like I literally you're an, didn't. Uh, you're an underpaid overworker. Yeah. And I literally like I, by the end of the relationship, I, I thought I was worthless. Literally, just from having this man tell me for 
three and a half years that I was worthless. You know, you know, so um, something I learned early on in my recovery was to, first of all, make a ruminations list for anybody listening to this right now. A rumination is basically like a flashback, right? Like you go back and you think of like, oh shit, do I miss this person? And I made this whole list of all (laughs) the shitty things they did to me. And why do I miss this person? And listen, sometimes I admit logic is not enough to fight the emotions. You know, sometimes I can't match my head with what's in my heart and I still miss the person, Mm -hmm. even though I know logically it's wrong. And that's part of the trauma bonding. But another thing that I did besides my ruminations list is just like you're saying, I made a list of the shit that I do love about myself, or even if I don't love about myself, things that I want to get to that I could like these character building experiences where I could fall in love with myself again. Do you know what I'm saying? That's excellent. I think that's the approach he was trying to take. Like he was trying to help me see the positives. And I'll tell you right now, you're an amazing communicator because listen to you right now. You're an amazing communicator. You're an amazing storyteller. I'm sure everybody who's listening to this is going to relate to what you're going to do. You're going to help people. You're going to change. You know, your story could ultimately become the blueprint for somebody else's survival. I hope it does, even if it helps one person. Right? That's how I feel. That's how I feel. I mean, if I can bring narcissism, I can't believe it exists. If I can bring it to somebody else and they can go, Oh my God, Mac, I know what you're talking about. Oh my God. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's all I asked for. I wish I would have known early on, yeah. but I had, I was completely clueless. So go back to your therapy. So you, so you work through the therapist and yeah, you know, the so therapist basically, said- yeah, he's, he just, it's just, I just wanted to show you like how much the extent of like, emotional abuse could impact you like you could really believe that you're worthless that there's no good points about you and and people say a lot of times though but you know did he hit you did he put his hands on you and I mean the times he did like shove me into a wall or knock me down to the floor those things didn't hurt at all it was nothing it's you know yeah he pushed me out of the way that's not that wasn't painful what's painful is the the emotional yeah and and I was talking to a few friends that are police officers and I told them like when that Gabby Petito case happened oh, man, and yeah. she was hysterical, that was a big trigger for me. I was very upset when I saw that. I got to Before- say, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Tell me. I, when I saw that, uh, and I'm, listen, I'm a man, right. And I was so disturbed by it. Me too. Uh, it took me like. I had this like emotional hangover that took a couple of days to get out of. That's exactly um, how it felt. Like it took me a few days to like shake it off. Like it was bad. I was happy when that mother effort, they found his remains. Yes. Yeah. I didn't even believe that they found his remains. That was just so weird. But I feel like, I don't know the way I saw her so desperate and crying. And then the way he was so calm. You're giving me emotions right now. If really your partner is that hysterical, would you be calm? No, you would be trying to console them. You would be like, you know, what's wrong? Like, let's make this better. It's this is not the case. But and she said it. She's like, he doesn't believe in me. Everything that she said, it, it could have like I could have been. I was her like I was. You know in the same position exactly. Her. And you know why it messes me up? Because it's publicizing 
a narcissistic situation where like we're we're just sitting on this podcast right and like you know we're a bunch of fucking nobodies but that that was in such the public eye that i was living through that when that happened it's almost like um you know i don't know like living through like some tragedy and and watching i didn't know gabby patino but i knew that emotion and yeah. uh i knew you know now knowing people like you I know that we all can relate to that. And when talking about the story, it just, I have this visceral reaction in my gut that makes me so uncomfortable. Uh, and I got, it's a, like you, you mentioned before, fight or flight. I feel like I got to get out of this. You know what I mean? I know. Yes. Cause it puts it right in front of us. Like we're seeing it firsthand. Um, you know, seeing it happen to another person. Like I can understand everything going through the desperation, the crying, mm-hmm. the, the feeling like no way out. No one can understand her. And had the cops known at that moment, like, oh, this guy is actually really abusive. She's not crazy. He's abusive. Maybe they would have separated them. Maybe she'd be alive. But instead, the cops were like, oh, she's unhinged. And, you know, the boyfriend's just dealing with a crazy girl and they sent them on their way. Yeah. So well, really, the emotional abuse is just the precursor to physical abuse, and it should be taken just as seriously. Yeah, it should. Um, the only thing is, and you got to understand yourself from my perspective, is um, I was falsely accused of things. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how far to go with this, but. Yeah, it's, it, you know, I don't want to say like, God forbid, you know, like, I'm not trying to say like, you know, every woman shouldn't be listened to, but I don't, I don't know. It's subjective. All I'm saying is that I know I didn't do it. And that's why I'm okay with telling my story because I know what mm-hmm. I did. I know what I didn't do. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's. But that's very true. common in female narcissists to do that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. They, I mean, they got to play the victim. Um, they got to play the victim somehow. They got to control the narrative. So, all right. So you discovered through your therapy, you discovered that he was a narcissist and Mm -hmm. you needed to escape. So talk about your escape plan. So even, I mean, the trauma bond was so much. It was just, I could, I still need, like I had, I always joke. I had my therapist saying no, my family saying no, my friends saying no, my psychic saying no. Psychic. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? That's a terrible psychic. My psychic telling me no. My psychic was like, this is not the man for you. Red flag, red flag. <laughs> Everyone in my life. Giselle, why didn't you leave him at that point? <laughs> I know. And then I'm still thinking like, oh, but if, if maybe if we could get to like the way he was, I was just trauma bonded. I Like literally everyone in my life would tell me this is not the man for you. Yeah. So um, how did it finally happen? It finally happened that his abuse got so, so bad. It was mm-hmm. so horrific. He had like packed up his things. He was leaving for maybe almost a month and he wouldn't leave. And like the night before he left, I was hysterically in, in my room. I actually so you gave him like an ultimatum to leave and he wouldn't leave? No, he was threatening me that he was going to leave. He okay. would always threaten me that he's going to leave, but he never left. It mm-hmm. was the weirdest thing. It mm-hmm. was kind of like just to like, have something to hold over me, you know? And so well, they do that. I, they go, are you sure? Oh my God. Yeah. Are you sure this is what you want? Are you sure? Are you sure this is what you want? This is what you want. Did you have that experience? My, yeah. you know, 
Um, because what I didn't know is she was with my narcissist, she was omitting parts of the situation because uh, when she was asking me, is this what you want? She had it in her head to put a false restraining order on me. So um, mm-hmm. she was sitting there saying, is this what you want? Is this really what you want? And I'm like, yeah, I really want a divorce. You really are not good to me. I really want this. And what she was asking me is, you know, do you want me to pull the plug on this? Because it's going to change your whole life, you know? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So um, go ahead. So keep going. So he was just, you know, he had half of his things packed up and he would just like threaten to leave. And normally I would cry and say, please don't leave. Let's work it out. Mm -hmm. But at the end, I was literally begging him. I'm like, "Uh, things have changed. I'm not the same person. I literally, I cannot take another day of crying. I need you to, to really follow through. Like, please leave, leave tonight, leave in the morning, but please leave. And then it's, he started saying, Oh, well, it's going to take me a few weeks. I can't just leave. Like he always made an excuse. And then we got into one last fight and he stormed out and he Mm -hmm. left and I left. It's nice when the trash takes itself out. Right. Yeah. So he left and then I didn't, I didn't call him. And let me tell you, it was like a drug addiction for me not to call him. I was like, shaking crying all night because he he would tell me he's like if i leave your house is gonna this house is gonna fall apart without me and at first i believed him but then i started who's laying put, in bed thinking who's gonna who's gonna put your garbage bags back into the garbage yeah, can if you leave i'm like if i show you pictures of my house when he lived here he was also a hoarder which shows mental problems oh, yeah. um the way my house was when he was here compared to now it's just like it was crazy it was it was just insane so I didn't, I, it, it took everything. It was like literally a drug addict and I'm not addicted to anything. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do anything like that. But I just, it took every cell in my body to not call him, not contact him. And then I realized he started what's called the Hoover. So he would moved back into his mother's house. He's living at his mom's. And then if he didn't hear from me, he would come back because he needed things. Of course, you're his, you're his narcissistic supply. Of course you did. So, and then at first I wouldn't talk to him and then he'd stay a half hour, 45 minutes, an hour. And then eventually I would break. I was weak. I would, I would be texting my friends, guys, I'm going to go talk to him. And they would all be like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. And then I'd go and talk to him and I'd be like, why are you doing this? Why can't you just be normal? Why can't you just love me? And, And then we'd start like an open line of communication again. And it was just like this sick back and forth for a while and it was just more of the same basically i'm not going to bore you with the details but we got into one really the last fight he really humiliated me in front of um people at his job and um i was just so humiliated i came home crying and i and my friends were like we're done with this we're gonna they hired a moving company tell the story tell the story about how he humiliated you no Sure. We had, it's, it's, the it's important. Crazy the, the straw that breaks the camel's back is usually okay. not as bad as all the other crap they put us through. But that instance where you go, I'm not going to take this anymore. Yeah. That's, okay. That's, you're right. You know what? It probably is important. And I'm going to tell you what made it be the straw that broke the camel's back. He had left, but hmm. it wasn't a clean break. He would still come into my house to hmm. get things. And there was still like an open line of communication. And I told him when I break up with somebody, like I broke up with my ex-boyfriend, my ex-husband, I do not 
call him. I do not see him. I do not follow him on social media. There's a big difference. We don't That's, have each other blocked. You ever see the but, movie The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? No. Good movie. It's a movie with Jim Carrey where it's 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 a it's this it's this false this pretend surgery where you can have somebody removed from your memory after a breakup. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool oh, movie. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, 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 I've heard of it. I got to yeah. see that. The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. For any listeners out there, one of my favorite movies, The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. You have It's a surgery to get your ex removed from your brain. Okay. So um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. Well. So um, where was I? So... So I had spent some time away from this man. I had, I actually experienced a few after the initial, you know, like trauma and terror of being alone. Cause I had never been alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I started actually being in peace and being relaxed. And then he would call me and he's like, Oh, I'm doing this job in Jersey city. Um, why don't you meet me? And then we can go eat around here in downtown Jersey city by this, you know, by this waterfront. It's like a pretty area. I like going there to eat. Mm-hmm. And I had actually gotten dressed up. I had actually put myself out there, like on dating sites. I was actually going to meet someone else and he still had that power over me. So I canceled with a new person and I, I was like, I I had my son drop me off at his location and my son the whole way there. He's like, mom, why are you doing this? And I was like, I don't know. I love him and he wants me to go and I think it's going to be okay. And like, maybe if we have a nice dinner and a few drinks, everything's going to be okay. And he knew, like I had told him, I was like, you know, I have, I have other plans. And and that I think kind of like messed with his head so when I got there my son dropped me off it was a Friday night we went through all this traffic from you know Bergen County to Jersey City and my son went back home when I walked up to him at the venue his face just looked off and and like usually when you you know like I haven't hadn't seen him in a week he just looked like weird and I was like hey how are you like I thought he'd be happy to see me and he just wasn't he was just cold you know how they say like, like kind of like a reptile, like there's no soul. It was just weird. So I stood around, the party had just ended and the people were picking the, you know, like I waited until the woman paid him and he, his job was the photo booth. So usually my job was to pick up the photo booth props and put the photo booth away. Cause usually he was DJing or something. Right. So I kind of just like went back to what I used to do. So I started helping put away the things. I was like, Oh, I'm just, you know, just standing here. Might as well help. So I start putting away the props and this woman comes up to me and she's like, Oh, some of these are my props. And I said, Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I, I did notice some new props. I hadn't done this in, in like a few weeks. So I thought he had bought new props. I'm like, here you go. These are your props. These props are little cardboard cutouts that cost $9.99 for a hundred of them. <laughs> little plastic with mm. a little straw at the end that say like, happy birthday, happy <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm familiar with the photo booth. Yeah. It's like the biggest junk, but I'm like, here you go, take your props. He's watching this. As soon as she turns around, he goes, you just made me lose money because now I have to buy my props again. I was like, oh, no, no, no. These are, these are her props. He's like, you're going to tell me whose props these are. These are my props. I was uh. like, you know what? You witnessed her take them. Why didn't you say, no, those are my props? He's like, because you think you know everything. So basically with him, I was always damned if I do, damned if I don't. If I wouldn't have helped pick up, he would have been like, oh, are you too good to work? You just want to stand there. You have no responsibilities. And then if I do try and and help, 
even if it's like the most, you know, sincere mistake, it was like literally nothing. So what? Even if I did give away the props that were his, which they weren't, they were the ladies. He could have laughed about it and been like, oh, you just gave away my, you know, $2 props. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, with every argument with a narcissist, um, you know, for the listener, my hand is above my head right now. But for every argument with a narcissist, it always starts up here, like super escalated. We're like that could have been handled so much better and so much easier of just saying, hey, listen, you know, um, I I think you might have just, you know, tone, body language. It's all such a big deal. You know, knowing what I know now with psychology. he was not, he was like a monster to the point where then I just stopped and I was like, this is not going to be good because I hadn't been normally I'm that happens at least once a day at this point, it was so bad, the relationship. So I, I was just like, it kind of like, I was like, wow, this is bad. Yeah. So I didn't do anything else. I didn't talk. I didn't do anything. I let him finish packing up and then we get in the car and he starts screaming at me so aggressively that for the first time in my life, I was actually scared. Like I thought he was actually going to hurt me. So I took my phone and I pressed record. Yeah, there you I go. Kept it, I kept it on my That a girl, that a girl, yeah. And I recorded the whole thing. And actually I put it like this kind of sideways so you could see his mannerism. Hey, for any He's listener bleeding. out there, for any listener out there, I'm really proud of you, Giselle, for doing that. For any listener out there, um, learn the recording. When you're with a narcissist, learn the recording um laws in your state giselle and i are both from new jersey which is a one-party state so listen i'm not a lawyer don't quote me on this i know that i can record it's called a one-party state meaning you if there's a two two people one party has to know that you're recording if there's like say three people two of those three people have to know you're recording so i'm really proud of you for doing that because compile your evidence when you know you're leaving and you're you're planning your escape compile your damn evidence because that's going to come back and help you later on. And I was not even thinking that far ahead. I was just thinking in the moment, I was like, this man with his huge arms, he's going to like backhand me or something. Something's going to happen to me. Like he was so aggressive. He's, you know, waving his hands, screaming, Mm. smashing the steering wheel while he's talking, cursing me out. You're so fucking ignorant, literally over a piece of cardboard. And I was just hysterical. I was so broken down. I pressed record on my phone. At first, I didn't talk. I just let him talk. And then I just went off. I I was like, actually very calm. The video is scary. I could send it to you. You could hear Mm -hmm. it and see it. I was like, you know what? Blank. I was like, this right now is the last moment Mm -hmm. you will ever talk to me like this. This is the last moment I sit in your car. This is the last moment I will help you in anything. I am now nothing to you. I want you to get a moving truck, get your shit. And I never want to talk to you again, ever. Right. right. And he had cameras all over my house. I was like, I want the cameras gone. I want the ring gone because he put a ring on my doorbell and then he left. But then he could see when I come in and out. Mm -hmm. And that's just not right. If you broke up with someone and you supposedly don't want anything to do with them, why are you watching when they come in and out of their house? Mm -hmm. Mind you, by this, it was already almost a month that he had moved out. Mm -hmm. So he dropped me off at home. He went up to the door, aggressively ripped off the ring with his bare hands, which I also have that video. He looked like Yikes. an animal with it. With his bare hands, ripped it off, threw it in his car. The thing stayed recording like a chicken without a head. <laughs> That's a strong guy to rip it off the, off the house. Holy crow. 
Yeah, he's a big guy. He was like, you know, almost six feet, 220 pounds. He was, mm -hmm. you know, he's not a little guy. And I don't know. And then I, I was just uh, that night. I was scared. I was scared for the first time in my life in my own home. Like I kept feeling like if I go to sleep, I wake up like what if he's standing over me? What? Because he knew all my codes. He knew how to get into my house. And then I just I was a mess that day. And I called my best friend and he was like, we are we are going to do this for you. We are going to get movers. We're going to dump everything at his mother's house on the front lawn. Oh. And I was like, are you crazy? See, again, again, as a, as a guy, right? Like, so I'm experiencing some of that and I'm going to talk about that on the podcast. Um, yeah, that I've, I experienced that, you know, a scorned woman, uh, getting rid of my stuff and everything. Uh, we'll talk about it more offline, but, uh, I don't agree with it. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> at the same time, you are not the one that did anything wrong in your marriage. Well, like that's that. my wife, yeah, but my wife thinks that I was right. Well, it's you know, you know, if you did wrong and if you didn't, and I know for a fact, for a fact, for the first time in my life, I was a complete angel, like, I was so good to him, I never talked back to him, I never disrespected him. And I know I didn't deserve one percent of the shit he did to me. And, Even if you and, weren't an angel, you didn't deserve this. Thanks. So I just knew that if, as long as he had his things in my house, he would have a reason to keep coming here. Mm -hmm. So we dumped all of that. We, my friends, came over the next morning. They spent an entire day packing all his things, and then on Sunday we had it delivered to his mother's house. And what did his mother say? She called me right away hysterical. Hell yeah, she did. Like, why, why am I getting his things? I'm like, because you live with him. He lives with you. And then she's like, this is between you and him, this fight. I said, this isn't a fight. I was like, we are over with. And he moved back in with you. This isn't a fight. His, this is a funeral. You know, like his, his things belong with him, not with me. He's not with me anymore. And that's it. And then I decided to treat my friends to brunch because of what they did so we sit down to eat and he had come to my house and we had changed the locks mm. so he was like a wild animal trying to get back into my house and he starts texting me he's like if you don't open the door i'm gonna knock it down and i was like please don't do that i was like everything of yours is gone why do you need to do this and he started threatening me so i told my friends hey guys we're gonna have to take this food to go and they're like, no, we're, we're enjoying our food. And I didn't want to tell them what he was saying. And I said, no, no, we really like, give me your car keys. I'll go. I have to go home. And they're like, no, Giselle, stop, forget him. So then I had to show them the messages. I'm like, look what this man's saying. He's going to knock my door down. So then my friend called the police. Yeah. Thank she, you. Good. I was waiting. For he that. got nervous. I wasn't nervous. I didn't think he was going to do anything, but she called the police and then we get there and the police was there. And it was just like a horrible thing. It had to be a domestic dispute. And at first the police officer was like, why did you call 911? And I, I, and he brought me inside and I told him and I showed him the phone. I was like, I called because he said he was going to knock down my door. And I honestly, if you want to be honest, like I can't afford to put up a new thousand dollar door. Like I yeah, just right. can't do that. Mm -hmm. And I was worried and my friend was worried. And then when they saw the messages and they saw that this man like I had to literally move him out because he was coming back. They're like, okay, this is actually a harassment. This is a domestic disturbance. He's like, unfortunately we have to write this down and, and make a report of it. Right. And then they were really nice. They were like, well, you know, we're sorry. They're like, it, you should write a restraining order. Like they gave me a lot of advice. 
which mm-hmm. I didn't follow up with, but um, the officers were very, they didn't let him come back in. They, they told him, you know, if you, if you need to come back to this house, you have to call the police. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, they did that. And since then he did come over a few more times for stupid reasons to get things and things like that. And that's with it. There? <clears throat> with you there. Yes. Like we still talked after that. And, a few times, uh, literally, we did. And if my friends find out, they're going to be so mad at me. <laughs> well, then don't share and, the podcast with them. <laughs> so then he, we did talk a few more times, and he still remains with his insanity of picking ridiculous fights and saying, you know, nasty things. Like we had adopted a dog together, and I missed the dog. I loved the dog. And I, uh, he's like, Do you want to walk the dog together? So I would still do those things with him. And then one day, like after, like maybe two times after that, I was like, You know what? I was like, It would be insanity to keep trying to do anything with you. I was like, It's done. And I never called him again. Wonderful. Never. And yeah. it just took, it took a lot of abuse. It took a lot of name calling. It took a lot of threats. It took police involvement. It took mm-hmm. friend involvement. It took doctor involvement yeah. to finally, but it finally, one day it'll just realize like little by little, like there's nothing to fight for. Yeah, sure. I read somewhere, um, to, the number seven is a special number. And the reason I say number seven is a special number is because two reasons. One, you normally date or sleep with seven people before you meet your soulmate. Um, but also the number seven is um, important because it takes seven attempts to leave an abuser. Interesting. I read that somewhere. I probably had 145 attempts. <laughs> yeah, seven. Give me a goddamn break, right? Seven, seven, like, seven in my sleep when I was dreaming about leaving. I had them. seven in one month. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So that's awesome. And I'm proud of you for not being able, you know, for, for making that decision and sticking to it and saying, I'm not going to go back. So did you have, um, in my experience, I had a wicked detox. Uh, mm-hmm. be, it wasn't detoxing you know, like a dr- it was detoxing like a drug, but it wasn't detoxing in the form of missing them. It was detoxing, leaving my life and trying to find my new identity. Did you have that experience? Absolutely. Um, it wasn't, it's not going to be as hard as yours because you had to leave your home and literally start from scratch. Like my I, children. I went, I went through that when I got divorced, which is why I was so vulnerable. Yeah. That's why I was so scared for him to leave. At least you had that edge. You had that edge. You had been through it before. Yeah. But I had him. You know what I mean? Like, he was there for me during that time. Like, I never did it alone. And you kept trying to chase it. I did. I I want, I want, you know, he was to me, like, he was a big support, or so I thought. But in reality. Can I tell you something? That's very, very, very normal. I don't want you to think, like, that wasn't normal. You trying to chase that, mm-hmm. it makes sense. There, no, one in the, no one in the world is going to tell you you shouldn't have done it. It makes sense that you would keep trying to chase this feeling of this guy was there for me and he rescued me when I was at my lowest. And then yeah. at the end, you're going, what happened to you? Where did you go? And that's very, that's very normal. Yeah, it's very normal. Uh, yeah. And, and people told me like, oh, when you're going through a divorce, 
they, they, a lot of people would tell me, don't date right now. Don't date, mm-hmm. like find yourself. And I was already enmeshed with this man. And I'm thinking, why would anyone say that to me? Why would they want me to go at this alone? And now I realize actually being alone is so healing in every way. Like you have peace, you can build yourself from scratch. You need to have that foundation on your own. You really do. I don't, I don't necessarily subscribe to the, you can't love somebody else until you love yourself thing. I don't really subscribe (laughs) to that. And I'll tell you why it's because everybody in the world comes with their own baggage. Okay. Mm-hmm. And personally, and listen, this, this just turned into a dating podcast and that's not what this is about. But for me personally, everybody comes with their own, uh, own baggage. I know I do. And don't get me wrong. Um, you certainly don't want to get into another relationship when you're all down in the weeds and everything. Um, you want to get into a relationship where the reason that people say that is that you have to love yourself first is because if that new relationship ends or if there's a lot of red flags in the relationship that you get into, mm-hmm. then you don't want to stick with it and force your way through those red flags, knowing that shit, I'll be okay on my own. Do you exactly. know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's such a good point. And that's what I did not do when I left my marriage. I left Clearly. my marriage to be with this man and it it was just the worst thing you could do. I should have left my marriage and been independent. And then if I was strong and independent, I wouldn't have, I would have kicked this guy to the curb at the first <laughs> mood swing. The you first like, time he called me a bad name, I would have been like, excuse me. <laughs> you sound like Jerry Springer. You, you got to kick him to the curb and you, you got to get on and start respecting yourself. <laughs> yeah. Remember Jerry Springer. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So you went through the, the detox of missing him. I did. How was that? And then the number one thing that worked for me that I would love to share with other people mm-hmm. is I saw this. Another thing that helped me a lot was Instagram, believe it or not. There is so much information. I literally love Instagram. I love the memes. People make fun of me for posting memes. I love them. They're filled with information. So valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a thing that said, um, stop thinking about the fake good times and remember the very real bad times. I love that. So initially, when we broke up, I was hysterical thinking, oh my God, how am I going to have Christmas alone? How am I going to have Thanksgiving alone? How am I going to have all these holidays alone? And then I started thinking, wait a minute, every Thanksgiving, he'd pick a fight with me about the way I cut like the spices he would pick a fight with me you know for the stupidest things like you bought this type of cranberry sauce instead of that one you know like the most horrible things to bring down the mood mm-hmm. bring bring me down literally i had holidays where i would come to my room and cry by myself and then have to face my family and act like i wasn't hurting and i'll bet you i'll bet you i'll bet you he comes in the room when you're crying, you think I got a, 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 maybe I'm wrong, whatever. I'm giving myself more credit than it's worth, but I'll bet you, you were crying in your room and he came in and started saying, you're making me look bad in front of everybody. Yeah, he would. <laughs> he would say things like, why are you making this about you? Yeah. I'm you're like, such a drama queen. Yeah. I've been, Never called a, wanted- I've been called a drama queen more times in my life than I care to admit. I ne- he never once validated my feelings, never once said, no. I can see why you got upset, never once said, I'm sorry, like I, I blew it out of proportion. 
I could see you tried. Like everything he yelled at me for was when I was sincerely trying. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just so horrible. And I then know. I started realizing what am I crying about? Like, yeah, I wasn't alone on Christmas, but guess what? I felt alone. I felt alone when on you were in the relationship. When you were in the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I felt alone when I'm in my room crying and trying not to show my family what's really this relationship is shit. Yeah. So like I tried to hide that from a lot of people. Yeah. So and, and you realized. having to make excuses for their behavior. After a while, it's like just so tedious and un bearable and like you just start wishing like i can't wait until the holidays is over so i don't have to put up with your nonsense that's horrible like you know i just realized like oh my god like i used to go with him on vacations like my parents own a place in in miami florida so we went a bunch of times every Mm -hmm. single time we go to miami like i was crying he treated me like shit so i'm like wait a minute if i don't go with him and it's just me and my kids guess what it's gonna be a blast and guess what it's been a blast We've gone like three times without him and we've had so much fun. Literally no tears, yeah. no fights, no stress. Yeah. It's like, what the hell was I holding on to? Literally garbage. A weight. Garbage. A weight has been lifted off of my Dead shoulders. Weight. Dead weight. She used to get Dead mad. Weight. She used to get mad at me because I started a man. I, I, I've mentioned on the podcast. I've said some things. I regret saying because I wouldn't say them under normal circumstances, but I called her a parasite. Mm-hmm. To her face, I called her a parasite because I'm like, you are just sucking the enjoyment out of my life every freaking day. That's a great word. Yeah, but I regret, but I regret saying that. That's not how you treat people. You know what I mean? And I, I that's uh, you know, I've touched on the podcast Listen, reactionary abuse. Yeah, I was just gonna say, have you heard yeah. about react? Oh, of course. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do an entire podcast. If it hasn't happened already, you know, I'm gonna do an entire. I want to get some sort of expert that I can have on the show to do an entire entire thing about reactionary abuse. Because, listen, I'm not um, I'm not a religious man. I'm kind of a non-denominational man, but I do believe in energy and I do believe in spirituality. Um, and I believe that um. <sighs> there's certain ways that you don't karma wise, right? You don't treat people a certain way. And some of the things that I've done when it comes to reactionary abuse, I got to get right with my own God or, you know, my understanding. And uh, I just, you know, I got a lot of regret and and it, it has this burning feeling because listen, you said, you said a little while ago that you were an angel in your relationship. I was not, I was not an angel. I didn't, I didn't, I turned into a person I didn't want to be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's normal because you get to a point where you're frustrated and you're hurt. And that's why that, that came, you know, that she brought that out of you, Yeah. but you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't be calling her names had there not been a problem. And oh. that's different. Right. Right. And, you know, and you're not again, at fault for things. Those are normal reactions. Yeah. I mean, I, de- that's um, my introductory podcast to the, to the, my number one podcast was about some of these terms and reactionary mm-hmm. abuse um, such a big thing for me, you know, again, I got to get right with myself. Um, but, I, but again, I know what I did. I know what I didn't do. And I know how to rectify those issues in my future relationships. Good. That's good. So, yeah. All right. So, okay. So, um, so you went through a detox, uh, in terms of missing him, right. Instagram was super <laughs> helpful to you and I can relate to extremely, that. Extremely, extremely. I honestly, if it wasn't for, I would say actually 
number one would be Instagram because Instagram was there before, like at times that my own doctor wasn't there. I had this constant flow of information from Instagram. Then I had my therapist, my, my friends then. And then after that, my family got involved as well, but they were a last resort. I didn't really want to have my family involved. I was embarrassed. I was scared. So Mm -hmm. that's how I did it. I I got, I, without knowing it, a little support system. And it's just, it, it really has to come from within you. You have to be like, I, the, I can't take this anymore. Cause like yeah. you could have God telling you this isn't for you, but if you still want to try, you're going to keep trying, which is what I did. God or your psychic telling you. It's not for your you. psychic, your friends, <laughs> your therapist, your neighbor, everyone could be telling you no. Yeah. Yeah. And how and, long would you say, how would you, cause I, I keep bringing up the word detox. How long would you say your detox were lasted for? I would say like the the initial worst part when he first left was about that month where I even still kept trying and I still kept meeting him when he no no out. that's not what I mean though but that's not what I mean I oh, mean I mean, mean I mean more so like um you're finally away from him the ties mm-hmm. are severed you're not yeah. going back and mm-hmm. my my experience I compare it very much to being lost at sea because uh-huh. in the beginning. Um, all I learned how to do was hold my breath underwater. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and follow this analogy, if you would. I learned sure. how to hold my breath underwater. Then I learned how to tread water. Then I learned mm-hmm. how to float on my back. Then I learned mm-hmm. how to swim. And by the time I learned how to swim, I saw land out in the distance and I said, holy shit. And I started kicking my legs and I started going forward and I got to that goddamn land. So hey. my, my, my thing is when I'm asking you, is how long were you lost at sea for? I think once I realized that I was that this is never going to change, I started swimming. I wasn't you lost swimming at sea. right away, huh? Look at you. I just, I guess, my lost at sea time was that that period where I was still trying to make it work despite domestic disturbance calls, despite him still treating me bad. To me. That's where I was stuck. So you felt and, better and, right away? You felt you felt better right away and didn't look back and it was just full steam ahead? Honestly, yeah. After after I realized, like, I, for me, the stuck period was when he, he had initially left, but he kept coming back. Mm-hmm. And I was responsible, too. Like, I would call him some nights crying and being, and, you know, I'd text him at, like, you know, midnight and he would respond immediately. <laughs> like he was awake waiting for me to, to do that looking at he escorts knew, he knew huh looking at escorts <laughs> probably he knew that you know like he had that power over me and and he was responsive like he didn't really want to and i don't believe he didn't really want to completely sever ties with me mm. he wanted to keep me around and and come why and go and me. why wouldn't he look at all the things that you have to offer and you know he's got nothing. 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 And I know he has nothing. And I don't mean material-wise, because if you don't have love and you don't have empathy and you don't have that within you, like you have nothing. You could I know that I can pick up the pieces and I have love to give somebody else. I have I have like genuine happiness. Like I'm happy for people. I'm not a jealous person. He doesn't have any of that. If anything, they are just mimicking yours, 
if, if he does get into a relationship, he's just mimicking your personality and he's going to try and give it to somebody else. I don't know. Like I, I told him in that video that I, that I recorded, I was like, I'm praying for the next victim. Like it used to be where I used to worry like, Oh, you know, how would it make you feel to see your ex with someone else? If I ever saw him, I could see him propose to someone. It would not affect me in the least. I would be, honestly, I would be praying for the girl. Yeah. That is how bad he treated me. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll figure it out. The new girl will figure it out. Um, yep. And when they do, uh, I just, like you said, I do pray for them. I do hope mm-hmm. that they don't do what I did, which is stay too long, get too intertwined, that it's so hard to get outertwined. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, I hope they can see it. And not for nothing, in my circumstance, I do believe that um, my necks will weaponize sex in order to trap a man. Mm-hmm. But sex only takes you so far. And I think that she's, I'd like to think that she's going to be easily figured out. I pray that she is because I am, I'm not wishing her the best. That's for sure. Shit. <laughs> I'm wishing her a very hard life. Oh my gosh. Sue me. <laughs> yeah yeah so listen um what do you think is there any more that you want to talk about is there any more that you want to touch on um i really think i really think we covered a lot of it i mean hopefully we could have another podcast in the future and you know like whenever things come up that we feel is important to discuss but the main thing i would like people to take away is the cycle of love bombing trauma bonding then the devaluation and then the discard and then the hoovering literally happened just like that for me and um overall i guess that's pretty much it that and everything we discussed yeah pay attention to the red flags which i didn't do well listen giselle i think you did a great job um, we're you. really happy that you were on this. Um, I think you really showed your experience. You really showed your strength. You really showed your hope for the future. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you're going to help a lot of people with your story. I really I truly do. So. And I know Thank it was hard. You. And I know it was hard for you to tell. So you know, you really uh, exhibited a lot of strength with this. So I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thanks right. so much. So one more time before we head out, um, Giselle's. Instagram is you period are period better period now period. Okay. So you are better now with periods all in the middle. Follow him on Instagram. My name is Mac. My Instagram handle is dimming underscore the underscore gaslight. Um, and uh, again, Giselle, thank you so much. And uh, until next time, everybody. Okay. Bye. Bye.